Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018. Here today to recap SmackDown Live from last night, just two days after SummerSlam. A lot of questions swirling, a lot of people looking for revenge, and no one more so than Daniel Bryan, who was... A bit disheartened after his loss to The Miz on Sunday night because it looked like he had The Miz. He had um, the A-lister right where he wanted. But as usual, The Miz looks for any shortcut, looked uh, for any way to uh, skirt the rules. And that's what he did by uh, sneaking some brass knucks into the match handed to him by his wife, Maurice, who was sitting ringside. So you figured The Miz, being as cocky an SOB he is, was going to be all braggadocious, happy about that last night. And he kicked uh, off the program with a, a kind of uh, weird promo. At first, he was uh, plugging his uh, new reality show. Uh, actually, I can't really say new anymore because last night was the fifth episode of Miz and Message, which if... You're not watching that. You really should. It, it is actually good. As, as much of an ass as he is on TV, he's actually a pretty funny guy in real life. But after plugging the, the show, he stood there and actually started to cry and get all emotional and said that, oh, he, he was going to reti- He's officially announcing his retirement before pulling the rug from out from under us, saying that he was retiring from ever facing Daniel Bryan again. First off, you give him credit, the fact that he's able to cry on command like that. But secondly, the, the fact that he can celebrate that victory shows you what kind of uh, conniving, cheating SLB The Miz really is. And you figured Daniel Bryan wasn't going to stand for this. He wasn't going to stand for... Um, Miz and Maurice being so happy about this, being um, talking about this victory that they clearly stole from Daniel Bryan. And he came out and kept calling the Miz a coward, saying, bringing up how he uh, can try and convince everyone he, he uh, won on Sunday, but even he knows that he... Uh, cheated and it just is a continuation of what's been a falsehood that defines the Miz and the Miz was actually taken back by this until Maurice interrupted uh, him and told him to go home and retire again and actually hit him with a kind of a verbal low blow by telling Daniel that he should change his name to Daniel Bella but to all of our surprises and this was not something I was expecting to see even after her appearance at SummerSlam and at Monday Night Raw. But Brie Bella's music goes off. She comes out and confronts uh, Maurice, who quickly got out of the ring, before she attacks The Miz with a, a series of punches. Um, very rare that you see that that these days with how they don't like to usually have... Uh, altercations between uh, the the male talent and the female talent for um, Maurice for um, Brie Bell excuse me to be going after the Miz like that but she's obviously enraged furious about what happened to her husband on Sunday 
and to our surprise, they uh, made a pretty big announcement. The first announcement for Hell in the Cell coming up three weeks from Sunday, and that's that The Miz would be facing uh, Daniel Bryan again. In fact, they've got two upcoming matches against each other. Miz uh, was informed by Daniel Bryan that uh, before he came out, Paige told uh, him that for the first time ever, him and Brie Bella are going to team together in a match against The Miz and Maurice, which I find kind of interesting because Maurice just gave gave birth to their first child about, what, four or five months ago. I'm surprised she's already ready in condition to get back in the ring for a match like that because you know her and Brie are going to um, mix it up at some point. But for what is a typical thing for an in-ring promo to start the show, very well played out. You, so now the fact that they're bringing the wives into this to give that extra level of intensity in the Daniel Bryan Miz rivalry, it, it puts on a whole nother level. Plus, what was announced after SmackDown is they've got that show coming up on October 6th, I believe it is. The the first Saturday of October, a super showdown down in Australia. The Miz and Daniel Bryan will face off one-on-one once again with the winner getting a future opportunity at the WWE Championship. So that's an interesting wrinkle there. So just when The Miz thought he was done with Daniel Bryan, oh no, he's, he's going to have a whole lot more to deal with from the bearded one. After weeks of uh, blindsided attacks and uh, brutal beatdowns, Jeff Hardy was finally going to get his chance at revenge at Randy Orton in the first match of the night on uh, Tuesday night. I was surprised at first that they were holding this match on TV because this is definitely a pay-per-view quality rivalry. But now since Jeff Hardy's over his uh, feud with Nakamura for the U.S. title and was unfortunately unsuccessful in his attempt to reclaim it, now he can turn his focus toward Randy Orton, who's had the upper hand on him since he he, uh, first started attacking him at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view in July. And you know, for, for weeks, Jeff has uh, tried to find an answer to solve uh, the Viper, but whether it be a blindside attack by uh, Nakamura or being involved in a match that Orton interfered with, um, he was just never able to avoid the Viper in any way. So now he, he got his chance at revenge, a match that I'm... I'm surprised it wasn't the main event last night. Uh, when it was originally announced on Monday during a commercial break of Raw, I figured, oh, that's going to be the main event of uh, SmackDown Live with how heated the feud is between these two. But as the match went on, you you would see more and more why it wasn't. And Jeff Hardy had, had his uh, chances early on, but being uh, the risk taker he is, uh, that allowed him to be easy prey at times uh, for Randy Orton, especially when he fell off the top rope um, and fell uh, face first to the steel steps below early on in the match. And that's when Orton really uh, started to uh, 
take advantage of the match, even going a, as far as pulling one of the, the uh, sick, twisted things he did uh, throughout these weeks of beatdowns is when he stuck his finger in, in the hole where Jeff Hardy normally has an earring and started stretching his ear almost like he was going to rip it off his body. But y you knew Hardy was going to work his way back in the match, going to figure out a way to uh, uh, get back in, give himself a chance. He even got it to a point where he hit the twist of fate, but because of uh, his back causing uh, so much problems from the, the earlier fall, he he was slowed up a little bit, and that allowed Randy Orton to uh, get back in the match. And that, that was at the point when Orton um, once again... Uh, grabbed his uh, ear and was uh, stretching it out. Um, but after weeks and weeks of attacks, Jeff Hardy had finally had enough and actually stooped to Randy Orton's le level at the point when he had Orton on the ground. And normally he does uh, the uh, double kick to uh, the midsection. Instead, he just stomped right down on, on Orton's crotch, drawing a, with a low blow drawing a disqualification and from there you knew oh all chaos is going to break loose and, and it did he fought Orton through the ringside area over the announce table into the crowd and uh, brought the brawl over to a, a point near the technical stuff where he cleared off uh, a folding table put an Orton on it cl uh, climbed onto uh, some of those cases that they have set up there for the technical stuff and delivered a swan bomb, and even uh, was smiling after he hit the swan bomb um, at what he just uh, did to uh, Randy Orton and this is this is just the beginning this is just the beginning of this feud between these two because after weeks of the brutal attacks and beatdowns by Orton Hardy um, need to finally get some revenge of his own, and he, he left the, the Viper laying in a heap last night. Now, I know there's going to be some bigger matches to uh, be on the next pay-per-view, and I'm sure that this rivalry will continue on to Hell in the Cell on September 16th. And as I was going to say, there's going to be bigger matches that you could put inside that structure, such as... The, uh, the WWE title match, the Universal title match. Hell, if they want to put the tag titles or one of the women's titles on the line in there. But there's been such a bad blood in this feud. It's been such a vicious feud that it really does deserve consideration for being put inside uh, Hell in the Cell, being put inside uh, that demon demonic structure because... I'd, I'd love to see what Jeff Hardy can pull out of his um, bag of tricks inside Hell in the Cell. What, what, what kind of stuff he has to counter the games that Orton's been playing with him for uh, weeks upon uh, weeks now. And uh, just see the brutality level that these guys can do inside uh, Satan's structure. Good to finally see the Iconics back on television the last night it's been a while since we've seen them on smackdown live uh, they were last seen i think about three weeks ago competing in a tag team matchup against becky lynch and charlotte flair and now the 
one of the good things finally seeing them back on uh, television was after last week all the controversy swarming with uh, the comments made by that clown Dave Meltzer. If you've never heard of this guy, this guy's the publisher and editor of this uh, newsletter called The Wrestling Observer uh, that he's been uh, doing since uh, 1983. He does ratings for matches. He's fairly popular, I guess, for all the uh, nerds on the internet that like to give uh, their uh, thoughts on this stuff. And they're, the wrestling, most of the wrestling community thinks he's an absolute dope because he acts like he's an insider, acts like he knows everything, but half the time he's he's full of crap, to be honest with you. Well, in a recent uh, interview he did on a podcast, he had some harsh remarks about the Iconics, especially Peyton Royce, in which he said that she looked much lighter when she was in NXT. And obviously that those comments were going to be put out there with how social media is these days, how people react to everything. And the comments made their way back to Peyton Royce. Not only was she not happy about it, but every one of the, the guys in WWE that are on Twitter, whether it's the women wrestlers or the men's wrestlers, went out and were in full support of Peyton, slamming Meltzer, just destroying him. So happy to see the support for her and also see this guy finally get put in his place. And it, of course, he came out, backtracked his comments and tried to apologize. But was he really that sorry? I think he was more sorry based on the reaction he got. Not that he actually had said those comments about her. But I mean, how, how could anyone say that about Peyton Royce? She, she's a beautiful young woman, looks in uh, fantastic shape. I mean, what is he's saying that she was lighter just because uh, it appears she got breast implants over the at one point over the last eight months? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure, but seriously, he should not be commenting on a on a woman's physique, whether they're in professional wrestling or not, because you know, with these days, with how uh, conscious people are, with how uh, people can have self esteem issues, you you don't want to bring that kind of stuff up uh, about someone else, especially when it's someone you don't know and you know, put those comments in the public eye like that. But the Iconics were back on SmackDown last night, Peyton Royce in a match against Naomi, a match that Naomi had challenged her to on Twitter at an autograph signing early Tuesday afternoon after she had seen uh, the comments made by the Iconics making fun of the breakup and the friendship of Becky Lynch and Charlotte at SummerSlam. So Royce accepted and the match wasn't anything spectacular. It actually had a lot of sloppy moments to it. Uh, although uh, you know, both women seized uh, their opportunity to get some uh, TV time. It, it wasn't the, the greatest match. Felt rushed at, at certain points. That I didn't think either one of them came across well as far as the actual action to it. There, there was one point near the end where Naomi was outside on the apron. Um, 
avoided an attack by uh, Billy Kay and then threw her into uh, the ring post before uh, she uh, was fell to the numbers game, excuse me, and uh, didn't have an, enough time to uh, um, recover from attacking uh, Peyton Royce. I mean, Billy Kay, excuse me, and Peyton Royce took advantage of uh, her uh, lapse in uh, judgment at that point and delivered a fisherman suplex to score a victory there. And as I said, the match was not that good of a match, but it was good to see the three of these women back on TV. They've rarely been used as of late, and they've got to figure out more creative ways to get the Iconics on TV week in, week out. We know that they're, they're not the most polished in-ring performers. They probably could have used a little bit more time in NXT on that part. But there's definitely a spot for them on the main roster. The, their characters, they fit their role very well. They both uh, play the, the heel uh, girl role very well. They, get, they draw immediate heat on you. A- after you get done uh, loving watching them come out because they're both very attractive women, they, uh, within 30 seconds, are able to draw heat from any crowd. Like last night when they referred to uh, Brooklyn as a dumpster fire and saying that it w- definitely wasn't iconic already uh, had the crowd turned on them very quickly. So figure out the right way to use these girls so that you can see them on TV more often. Same thing goes uh, for my girl Mandy Rose. She needs more TV time as well. I briefly mentioned a moment ago uh, the breakdown in the friendship between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And I'm going to get to that now because that was one of the bigger stunners to come out of SummerSlam. Remember, I was unhappy leading up to SummerSlam that they had added Charlotte Flair to that match. I wanted to see Becky Lynch get her own legitimate shot at the Women's Championship, and I figured the uh, X factor of the two of them being friends would uh, leave the door open for Carmella to retain the, the women's title at SummerSlam in the, the triple threat, even with the odds against her. Well, Charlotte was able to pull out the victory when Becky wasn't looking and had to disarm her on Carmella. Charlotte came along with natural selection, uh, pulled off the victory for the title, and you know, he thought all was good after the match. Uh, Charlotte and Becky hugged, everything seemed all right. Until Becky stunned us all and turned her back on her friend Charlotte Flair, attacking her, uh, leaving uh, her uh, brutally beaten right by the announce table. Even had Charlotte in tears that one of her best friends would attack her uh, like that. And even though it was supposed to come off as a heel turn, it had the entire crowd at the Barclays Center cheering. They even cheered uh, Becky last night when uh, she came out until Becky began talking because she addressed all the points uh, that I've been bringing up in recent weeks uh, talking about how she she, uh, wanted SummerSlam to be her moment, have her own uh, shot at the title, a moment she feel she earned, but felt that that was robbed from her um, with Charlotte being added to the match and wanted the opportunity to prove herself as a top star. 
And then you could see the direction that they were going in here where she began to question the fans throughout her promo, asking if they were uh, really uh, behind her the whole time and if they were really upset that she uh, didn't win because she thought that they uh, gave Charlotte a good reaction when she won. In fact, I don't know where that's coming from because if you listen to SummerSlam again, most of the crowd was unhappy that not only Charlotte won the title, but she pinned Becky to win the championship. In fact, when when she when Becky attacked Charlotte after that was done and as she was leaving, the entire crowd was chanting, "You deserved it." Whether it be Becky should have won the championship or that Charlotte deserved the beating uh, that she got. So I'm surprised now, after all this time of trying to build up Becky Lynch as the sympathetic figure, now they have her uh, becoming an angry person and being uh, angered at the fans, showing hatred toward the fans, and said that, uh, promised that she will become champion and uh, said she wouldn't do it because because of the fans, she said because there was no other woman on the roster that could prove her wrong. And that led to Charlotte coming out and rushing the ring and them getting in a fight. Uh, 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 the kind of brawl that you normally don't see amongst the women, whether it be on Raw or on SmackDown. Because this thing got vicious between these two to the point where it's spilling over onto the arena floor. You got Every one of the referees coming out to try and break it up, but even they couldn't hold these two women back. Led to the point where Paige came out and brought the entire SmackDown Live women's roster out with them, and that the all of them were trying to break these two girls up. You had Absolution out there, the Iconics, Naomi, uh, Lana was out there, Asuka. They're all trying to. Br- break this up it it's even uh it even got to the point where that charlotte and becky were so hell-bent at trying to get at one another that charlotte threw naomi to the floor naomi who was a friend of hers uh she was that enraged trying to get payback on becky lynch and see the weird thing about this is they're trying to play becky lynch as the heel here but the fans are all in support of what Becky did. They're happy that she attacked Charlotte like that on uh, Sunday because there's, a, and I'm not saying it's me, but there's a large group of the fan base out there that still does not want to give Charlotte Flair credit, that looks at her and, and says, as athletic as, as she is, as talented as she can be in the ring, that a lot of her success still comes from what her last name is. Fair or unfair, that's a lot of the criticism I've heard. This is not me personally who thinks that. I mean, she she paved her own way. She went through all the training. She went through NXT. It's not like she skipped all that and, and got women's title matches from, from day one when she was on the main roster. No, she was in NXT for a couple of years uh, and honed her craft before ever making it onto uh, Monday Night Raw or um, Tuesday Night SmackDown Live. That's just some of the criticism that's going to be there. And you, you know that's going to be there um, from the fan base. Uh, 
because even as as much as they respect Ric Flair, that they're always going to look at it as oh the the, uh, the offspring got everything handed to them based off their namesake. You see that not just in professional wrestling, but you see that uh, all across. Uh, whether it be the world of entertainment, the world of sports, anytime the, the next generation of a famous person comes along, everyone always assumes that, oh, they got all their stardom just based off of what their last name is and don't, doesn't want to give that person credit. But this this great segment, this segment where, as I said, you don't see this kind of brawl between the women that often where they have to have people coming out separating them and uh, even have the entire women's roster come out and break things up. But that's how vicious it's got. That's how personal it's got. And you, you wonder, are they going to keep playing up this idea that now Becky, not only she uh, has anger and animosity towards Charlotte, but also has anger and animosity toward the fans. Because as I said, most of the fans support Becky and what she did. In a rematch from the kickoff show of SummerSlam, Rusev and Lana look to even the score with their rivals, Adriani Cien Almas and Zelina Vega, in another mixed tag match last night. And no, Rusev and Lana, they looked strong early on in this match, uh, able to clear the ring. And uh, even uh, at one point, Rusev uh, looking like uh, he was going to end the match early um, when uh, Andrade Cien Almas attempted to uh, spring off the ropes but got hit by an early Machka kick. After they went to a quick commercial break, which is something they do a lot on uh, SmackDown. It seems seems like every match that's held on SmackDown, it has at least one commercial break during it. At least during those, they put the the show still up on the side of the screen so you can see what's happening during uh, the match. But when they came back, uh, Vega was in control of Lana, able to ground her and keep her away from uh, Rusev. I'm surprised they, they didn't have uh, Rusev and uh, Almas dominate most of the action in this match since obviously the the clearly more experienced wrestlers. The Lana and uh, Vega are mostly used to being uh, managers and don't have much uh, ring time. They're still both very raw as uh, wrestlers. But when uh, Rusev uh, finally got into the match, he uh, uh, looked to get the, their team back on a roll. Uh, eventually had things set up for uh, the uh, Moscow kick, but was uh, caught up by uh, Almas and almost got him in the position where he looked like he was going to win the match, hit the double knees in the corner. They only got that for a two count. And then finally... After weeks of costing the matches, Aiden English was finally able to make up for uh, his past discretions when he was able to distract uh, Andrade Cien Almas long enough for Rusev to recover 
get up, deliver the Moscow kick, and uh, lock in the accolade to get the victory. And, and I'm just surprised by this. I'm surprised that this is the direction they went in because Rusev and Lana, you know, they, they lost on Sunday, and uh, Aiden English was nowhere to be found. Now, after weeks of accidentally costing them matches, English shows up and is able to aid his uh, two friends to a, a victory. And this loss, I don't think it really does anything to hurt Amos and Vega here, but it continues forward this story of uh, Rusev Lana and Aiden English. I'm still trying to figure out what the end game here is. I've, I've thought for months that it was going to lead to the point where Rusev and Lana turn on Aiden, but after helping them win last night, is he now back in the good graces? Um, not sure. We're gonna have to. This is one you're gonna have to watch for. You're gonna have to wait and see on uh, SmackDown next week because I'm just not sure where they head from here. After weeks of Samoa Joe's verbal taunting leading into SummerSlam. AJ Styles finally had it enough when he uh, lost his temper uh, during their championship match and just went on a brutal assault of Samoa Joe, including uh, diving up onto the announce table and driving him through the barricade, continuously hitting him with uh, chair shots until his uh, wife and daughter in the crowd essentially had to beg AJ off from that because it's uh, not the man uh, that they know and he he didn't want to see he didn't want them seeing him in that kind of enraged moment but hey Samoa Joe kept bringing up AJ's family week after week after week and Finally, he uh, let his anger get the best of him, and he retained the title, but he lost the match via disqualification. And AJ was looking to make amends of that last night when uh, he did an interview with Renee Young on the stage area. And I, I like how they do these interviews every once in a while. It feels very old schoolish, like Gene Oakland used to do back in late or. 80s, early 90s, where he'd bring a superstar out and interview him on the stage in front of the fans like that. And AJ apologized for breaking the promise he had made prior to uh, uh, Sunday's match about you know, trying to keep his cool. He had promised his wife that, but vowed that he would rip Joe's heart out if uh he ever mentioned his wife's name again. And that's when Joe blindsided attacked AJ and left him uh, laying on the side of the rampway uh, after locking in the Kikina clutch before once again making things personal with AJ Styles by uh, taunting his family and uh, standing over AJ. You know, this promo, it, it was very well done, or interview, excuse me. It was very well done in the fact that it, it was short, wasn't a, an extendedly long thing, was probably three minutes at the most that they had uh, AJ out there before uh, getting attacked by Joe. But you saw some real emotion from both of these guys, like 
AJ uh, realizing the promise he made to his wife that he broke, and then just the anger and intensity that Samoa Joe showed, uh, just the fact that he wasn't able to win the championship on Sunday. Uh, him in his mind probably thinking AJ took the coward's way out, but hey, AJ baited, baited, was baited into it, was taunted into it, and just had enough. And you could clearly see where this one's going. These two guys are going to face off in Hell in a Cell. That it, it's got to happen, because, especially now after AJ getting disqualified in their last meeting for the title. Joe's going to want this championship rematch to be put in a setting where AJ, in his mind, can't escape from that, and where the only way for this to end is by a pinfall or a submission, and the, those kind of rules of. Samoa Joe is going to definitely look to take advantage of and what exact revenge on AJ Styles, but hey, AJ's going to be looking for revenge himself because there's only so many times that you can bring up a man's family before he once again loses his cool. Close out today with talking about last night's main event, which was a rematch from SummerSlam. Saw the Bludgeon Brothers once again defending the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships against the New Day. Uh, this time it would be no disqualification because on Sunday the Harper and Rowan also got themselves disqualified to retain their tag titles when they brought uh, their mallets into the equation. And it, one of the shots, well, they uh, delivered actually uh, d- delivered some rib injuries to Big E, so much so that he wasn't able to participate. Uh, so it was up to Kofi Kingston and uh, Xavier Woods uh, this time around. And now the the notice qualification uh, rule did very little early on to hinder Harper and Rowan's. Uh, uh, title defense because they were they were just obliterating both uh, Kofi and Xavier at at certain points. I mean the, the only uh, times that Kofi and Xavier were able to get any offense in is when uh, the Bludgeon Brothers would uh, make a rare mistake, but they showed uh, too much heart and somewhat too much will to to fall to these guys early on, even with having such a uh, a size and strength disadvantage. At one point, they even uh, used that, you know, double cross slam. I'm not sure what it is. It's like a, it's like a double crucifix they do. And that they did it to Kofi onto a ladder that was propped on top of two chairs. But even that wasn't enough to put uh, Kingston away. He was still able to uh, kick out. Later in the match, they were even threatening to uh, use the their mallets or hammers, whatever they're referring to them as, uh, once again as weapons. And you know, it's weird that they still do the thing that the Harper and Romans still do the thing they do that they did back in their Wyatt family days, where Harper will smack Rowan in the face a couple of times, almost like to psych him up. 
But that was the, the big mistake that I was talking about that the Bludgeon Brothers made because they took too much time in that and it, it allowed uh, them, uh, the New Day, to get back in the match because uh, Rowan was going to go charging with the mallet uh, right at Kingston. And instead, Kingston had enough time to move out of the way, sending him barreling right through the timekeeper's position, taking him out. That left two members of the New Day up against Rowan, who, you know, tried to fight it out. His own was looked like he was going to set up Woods to be powerbombed through the table. But uh, Kingston was able to help avoid that and uh, hit hit Harper with uh, Trouble in Paradise, sending him up on the table for uh, Xavier Woods to climb to the top rope, deliver an elbow drop through the table. And we had what I did not expect to happen, and that was the New Day defeating the Bludgeon Brothers to become five-time tag team champions. Now, part of this is what you got to realize is what's going on in uh, real life here. And that's at SummerSlam, um, Rowan, Eric Rowan, suffered a torn bicep injury. And he's going to have surgery on that um, at some point in the next couple of days and will be out four to six months. So they had to figure out a way to either write off the Bludgeon Brothers or have them drop the tag team titles so that... Uh, Eric Rowan could go have this surgery and they were smart about it in this fact as I said they, the Bludgeon Brothers dominated most of the match they didn't have uh, much if any contact done to uh, Eric Rowan to risk that injury uh, being any worsen and then by having him uh, taken out of the match, you, you have Harper set up to get the loss there. You Probably if he if Rowan wasn't really injured, they would have kept the, the tag title run going for the Bludgeon Brothers and looked for that time where someone could come and beat them in a straight-up tag team match without any kind of stipulation piled on top of that. But they, they needed the figure out a way to uh, get him off the show. And this was uh, the, the only way that was possible in doing that. Plus, you close out the weekend in a very fun way. The, the New Day are arguably the most popular team on uh, WWE, especially on the SmackDown Live. So you, you have them pull off an upset like that without arguably their strongest competitor, Big E, involved in the match. Send the crowd in Brooklyn home happy with uh, um, the New Day uh, pulling off the fun victory there, pulling off the surprising upset. And now uh, they'll be coming out saying uh, they're the five-time SmackDown Live tag team champions. For this Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018, I'm M3, and that was my opinion Everybody have a great night. Remember, follow me on Twitter at m 3 and check out my other podcast, Keeping Sports with M3. I do it each and every single Monday. You can find that on Facebook.com slash Keeping Sports with M3. Enjoy the rest of your night, everyone, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.